Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, um, excuse me, Luke chapter 15 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. We are continuing our, ser- our sermon series on comebacks. I want to say thanks to Logan and Shelby for, for taking care of everything while we were away last weekend. We were uh, away moving Laney into college and, and, and uh, crying and doing all that wonderful stuff. And, and what I love about online service is that you can go back and watch the online service. And I realized that Logan called us crybabies. See, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't watch the online service, but I, he called us crybabies online, and I don't appreciate that, which that's what we were doing, but I don't appreciate that very much. But anyway, we, were, we got her moved in. It was a crazy weekend, just a lot of stuff going on, but, but she's doing good and adjusting to her new life, and, and, and we are too. You know, it's, I, I was telling Brian this morning, because Brian, uh, his son Zach, just left for the military, it's the little things that you never think about when they're gone. It's like, it's like the, the coming down of the steps on Sunday morning as you get ready to go to church. It's those little things. And I, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I told myself, I'm not going to cry this morning. But it's the little things that you just don't ever think about until they're no longer in the room or in the house with you. So, but she's doing good. Thank you for praying for us, us crybabies, as we adjust to this uh, new season. But I'm excited about what God's laid upon my heart to share with you this morning and as I mentioned, we've been talking about comebacks, and Logan preached a phenomenal message last week. Um, just a good word from God, and, and it, just, it was just a great day. And, and so I want to continue on that this morning. Um, but what I've learned throughout this whole comeback story, comeback series, is that um, I've learned so much about these, these sermons Things that I've just completely forgot about, things that I just kind of kind of went over my head, and I really never even thought about it until we were in this uh, sermon series. And and what I was reminded of is this: is that everyone in this room today, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, that every one of us in this room at some time has had a setback. You've had a setback. You've experienced something in your life that has maybe caused you and it's kind of stopped you in your tracks. It's kind of maybe waking you up, it's woken you up a little bit to some things that are happening in your life. So we've all had a setback in this life. There's not one person in this room that hasn't had a setback in their life. You see, but in that setback, you've, had, you've learned to do something. You've had to make a decision of what you were going to do when that setback arose in your life. You had to do something. What are you going to do? What are you going to change? What are you willing to do different that will elevate yourself to another place? In other words, you found yourself in that place and you had to do something to get out of that place, to to change the situation. You've had to do something in order for that situation to change. You see, we've looked at several different stories throughout the Old and New Testament. And the first two that we looked at was David and Peter. And what I was reminded is that their setback caused them to stop in their tracks. They had to stop what they were doing. Something happened to them that they had to change who they are in order for them to have a a comeback. 
And what I've learned about when, I've, when I'm in the middle of a setback, there's times where I don't feel worthy of a comeback. I don't feel worthy of maybe moving forward because maybe of something that I've done previously or in my past. We just don't feel worthy enough to, to feel like that God can still use us or that God can still continue on what he started in our life to begin with. We just have moments where we don't feel worthy of even moving forward or being able to stand, stand in God's presence. There's times where, can I just be honest with you, I don't even feel worthy of standing on this stage. But I was reminded that even though I, sometimes I don't feel worthy of doing it, it's not really what I feel, it's what the Father says about me. It's not based on what I feel, it's based on what the Father says. So if, even though that I feel unworthy, even though I don't feel right or I don't feel whatever, God looks at me and says, no, Chad, you are special. You are worthy. You are good enough. You are going to make it. Everything is going to be okay in your life when situations arise if you will just realize that, that I'm the God that it, that's with you in the good seasons that will also be with you in the bad seasons. That he's worthy of, uh, that, that we're worthy when God looks at us and says that we're worthy. So even though maybe David and, and, and Peter didn't feel worthy in that moment, God looked at them and said they were worthy. Why? Because he changed who they were. And they continued on doing what God had started within their life. And of course, then we looked at Joseph. And Joseph, of course, he had a, a crazy setback in his life. But I was reminded of Joseph that Joseph still kept his eyes on the Lord. He, he was still focused upon God. Even though maybe situations happened in his life that he wasn't prepared for, he still kept his eyes on the Lord. And so what I was reminded again this week is what, it, what the enemy intends to destroy us with, God turns it around and uses it for the good. Whatever the enemy uses to destroy us or intends to destroy us with, God turns it around and he uses it for the good. Not only for the good of your life, but for the good of those that are around you. So when, we, when we're in a setback, we have to make decisions in order so that we can have a comeback. All these stories have this one common theme, and this is that. And what that theme is, is this, is that what do you do in the setback determines whether or not you have a comeback. What you do in that dark time, what you do in that, that season of loneliness, what you do in that season of unworthiness, or that, whatever that season is, what you do in that season determines what the next season will be in your life. So God is all about taking broken situations, broken people. God's uh, all about taking those types of situations and turning them around and using them for the good. As you read through Scripture, that's all you see is broken people and God stepping into a situation and turning it around and, and people being blessed by what God has done in their life. So that gives me hope to know that God can take my broken situation and turn it around and use it for the good. Just like he can in your life as well. So this morning, I want to look at Luke chapter 15. And we're going to be talking about the prodigal son this morning. Or the lost son, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I also want to focus on the heart of the father. We know and understand that just previous to this story, Jesus lays out these parables about the lost coin and then, and, and then the lost sheep. But then he goes into talking about the lost son, the parable of the lost son. And what I want us to really focus on this morning is, yes, the, the, the prodigal son had a setback in his life. 
But what I really want to think about and focus on today is the heart of the Father. Because that's where everything matters is the heart of the Father in our life. And so Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 13, this is what it says. It says, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me, and I want you to take your pen or your highlighter there, and I want you to underline those those two words, give me. Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. So here you have the younger son who decided that he no longer wanted to live in the house of his father. He no longer liked what was happening in the house. He no longer wanted to live by his father's rules. So he decided that he would look at his father and he would tell his father, hey, give me what belongs to me. Let me go and live my life however I want to because I don't really like what's happening here in this house. So I want you to give me what is mine and so that I can go and live however I want to live. So he makes a decision that he didn't want to live under that authority of leadership of his father anymore. And he demands what belongs to him and he sets out to a distant land, the Bible says. And what made me think about this scripture for just a moment, you got to love the patience and the self-control of the father. Right? Think about that for a moment. The self-control and the patience of the father. Because I can tell you this this morning, if that was me and I did that in my house, there would have been no patience or self-control thrown against me. Right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But the, the father showed patience and self-control in that situation towards his son. He didn't try to stop his son. And they were like, well, why? Does he not love his son? Absolutely he loves his son. He loves his son. But for some reason in that moment, the father felt like he needed to give what belonged to the son so the son could leave and, and experience life in a way that he never had experienced before. So the father shows this patience and this self-control in this situation. You see, the lost son really didn't know what he had until he didn't have it anymore. It's a really good place to say amen this morning. You see, sometimes you really don't understand what you have until you don't have it anymore. And that's what the son realized as he was in the distant land blowing all his wealth and all of his inheritance that his father gave him. He didn't realize how good he had it at home until he was out living all by himself and he didn't have anything to show for his wild living. You see, this younger son was obviously, he was motivated by greed and, and he made a selfish and a foolish request. But the father decides that he's going to give his son his inheritance. He's going to give to him what he asked for. And this is what I thought of. You see, sometimes we go before God and we start demanding things. Things that we really don't necessarily need, but what we want. And what God does in in God fashion is he gives you what you ask for. So let me tell you this morning, be careful what you pray for, for because there's a good possibility that God will give it to you. 
So here, here it is, and sometimes we go before the Father and we, we pray, God, give me what I want, not necessarily what I need. And God says, okay, I'll give it to you. Go do whatever you want to. Go live however you want to. Go make decisions however you want to. Why? Because God sees the end when we don't see it. And God sees it at the end of it that we may be standing out there with nothing because we thought that we needed this or we wanted that. And God sees us standing out there and God's like, wait. They'll come back to me. They'll have a change of heart somewhere, and they'll come back to me where I was before. And guess who's going to be waiting for us? The Father. The Father is going to be waiting for us, just like God does when we, as sometimes in our life, decide to kind of maybe go our own way and make our own decisions and kind of do our own things. And God says, okay, you go ahead and you go do that. I'll be waiting for you when you get back. That's good to know this morning. That when we stray off of that path, that we begin to go and do something else or live a certain way, that God's still going to be waiting for us when we get back. That's the heart of the Father. That's what the Father does. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a, in a few moments. So he goes and he lives this reckless lifestyle, this foolish lifestyle, not thinking about anything except what he wanted and he makes the decision to go and blow all this money on wild living, and he ends up with absolutely nothing. Nothing. He has nothing anymore that he had before. He's just out there all by himself with nothing at all. You see, this young son, you see, he can blame, you can't blame anyone else except him for making the decisions that he made. He's the reason why he has nothing to show for his life in that moment. He's the reason for the setback. Then it goes on to say in verses 14 through 20, this is what it says. It says, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Imagine that. Imagine that just for a moment, that you go out and you live, all, you live this lifestyle, and then all of a sudden something arises in your life where you have need of something. And that's what was happening in his life. So he, he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to, the, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went back to his father. So here's the young son just mo this moments prior to this situation. He had a roof over his head. He had food to eat. And he found himself now in a position where he's living among strangers, taking care of pigs, where he has nothing to eat, starving to death, wishing somebody would do something for him. And then all of a sudden he has this revelation. And he begins to think about his father's servants and the food that they had to eat. And here in the middle of this setback, Something happened to him. A setback that was caused by his own decision, by his own uh, uh, lifestyle. The, the reason why he's having that setback is because of the reasons, some, the decisions that he made in his life. And now he's in the middle of that setback and he's thinking about himself and he has a revelation. He has nothing. He's hanging out with pigs. Why? 
because he's desperate. He is desperate. And can I tell you this morning, when you're desperate, you do desperate things. When you're desperate, you will do desperate things. He was doing things that he had never done before. Why? Because he was desperate. He didn't have anything else. Everything that he had was no longer in his hands anymore. He had blown it all away, and so he was desperate in the desperate situation in his life. And this is what I've learned about being desperate. You see, desperation puts you in a place where you have to make a decision. Desperation puts you in a place where you have to make a decision. And these are the decisions that you will make. Do I continue to live this way? Or do I swallow my pride and go back to where I came from? You see, when you're desperate, when you're in desperation mode, you have to make a decision. Am I going to stay here and keep being desperate and living this way? Or am I going to change the situation and am I going to go back to where I was, the way I was living before? We have to make a decision when we're desperate. And sometimes in a setback will cause you to be desperate. And you have to realize who are you going to rely on when you have nothing. The only place that you can go when you have nothing is back to the Father. And who is standing there waiting for you when you come home? The Father. You see, when you're in desperate, when you're in desperation, it causes you to do crazy things. And unfortunately, for some people, listen to me this morning, and for some people, it takes a place of desperation for God to get their attention. And if God has to take you to a place of desperation to get your attention, then guess what? He's going to take you to a place of desperation because he's trying to get your attention. So sometimes it takes those places of desperation before we realize that we need a change and that we need God in the middle of our lives. Sometimes God allows you to get to a place because he knows that once you get to that place, you have no other place to go but back to him. And we realize just how much he loves us. In verses 17, this is what it says. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He's thinking about what he had before. He has this revelation. Man, I don't even care if he calls me his son. If I could just eat what the hired servants are eating, I would be fine with that. And this is what I thought of this morning. You see, comebacks can't happen until we say enough is enough. You see, we can't have a comeback until we get to the point where we say enough is enough. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to act this way anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm changing who I am because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of missing out on God's blessing. I'm tired of doing my own way. I'm tired of wanting my own thing. It's time that I want something from God and what God has for me. Something happened within this young man that led him to make a change. You see, he had a change in his thinking. And I wonder if God could just grab our minds sometimes and just shake it. Shake out all that negative thinking. Shake out all those thoughts that we have, sometimes even about ourselves and, and all those things. If God could just shake those things out of, our, out of our minds and us focus on who God is, man, things would be so much different. But it all starts right here. It's a battlefield. It's constant all the time. Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Does God love me? Does God, does, God does, doesn't love me? It's all the time, something all the time. 
And if we would learn to change our thinking, man, we would be so much better. We would be so much better if we would just learn to take, let God take control of our minds. Because if you look at verse 12, this is what it says. The younger one said to his father, he said, Father, give me. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. You see, he was selfish. He was inconsiderate. He was rude. How many of you guys know, any, know, know anybody rude? I know some rude people. They're rude. It says, give me what belongs to me. He was thinking about himself. Give me. And then if you go and look at verses 19, this is what he says. He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And this is what he says. Make me. So he goes from give me to make me. So his, his, his thinking began to change to where at one time it was all about him. Give me, give me what belongs to me. Give me. God, give me. God, give me. I deserve it. God, give me. But what we should be saying is God, make me. God, make me into the person that you want me to be. God, make, why? Because if you can begin to think that way, God, make me instead of God, give me, then things would be a lot different in our life. Now, that doesn't mean we won't have problems. We'll still have problems. But we understand that in the middle of that problem, God is making us, not giving to us all the time. So he changed his thinking. You know what? He had enough. He went from give me to make me. In other words, he wanted his father to make him, not to give to him anymore. He goes from give me to make me. The situation in life that happened to him, it humbled him. It humbled him. You see, setbacks begin to turn into comebacks when we exercise humility. In that moment, he humbled himself. He had a change of thinking and things began to turn in the right direction for him. But you see, he had still had to do something. It didn't stop with just his thinking. But he had to get up and physically begin to do something. You see, true joy comes from when the Father's not just giving to you. True joy comes from when the, when the Father is making you. You see, sometimes we base our joy on what God gives us. We base our joy on whether or not God's answering our prayers. We base our, our joy on whether or not God is doing this or God's doing that. And can I tell you, sometimes God's not going to answer your prayer the way you want him to answer it. But if you will say, God, make me, that even in that situation, even in that setback, you, if you keep your eyes on God, God's going to make you into the person that he wants you to be. And your thinking begins to change, and you begin to humble yourself to a place where God can use you in your life. You see, the young boy, this lost son, he was sick and tired of living the way he was living. We don't know how long he had lived that way because the Bible really doesn't tell us. It could have been months. It could have been years. It could have been weeks. We don't know. But he got tired of living that way. So he began to make a decision that would cause his, his life to have a comeback. You see, he didn't stay where he was. He climbed out of the pit and he started his way back to the father. He didn't keep his focus on the pig pen where he was living, but he placed his focus on the father where he was going. 
He placed it on the father instead of on the pig pen and the lifestyle that he was living. So my question to all of us this morning is this, where is your focus? Where is your focus? I'm not asking if you're a Christian. I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm asking you, where is your focus? Because if you keep your focus on God, then God will make you into the person that he wants you to be instead of the person that you want to be. It's not about God give me. It's about God make me. It's about God humbling us to realize that we're absolutely nothing without him. It doesn't matter how many achievements you have achieved in your life. It doesn't matter how many titles you have before your name. It doesn't matter how many badges you have on your, hanging on your wall. You, are at, we, you and I are absolutely nothing without God. Absolutely nothing without God. So God says sometimes we have to be humbled in, our, in ourselves. And then it goes on to say in verses 18 and 19, this is where things begin to change for the lost son. He said, I will set out and I will go back to the father. And I will say to the father, or I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Shelby, if you would, come to the keyboard this morning. Can you imagine what this young man is feeling in the moment as he begins to walk back to his father? You see, he didn't know how his, his response would be from his father. He didn't know if he would be welcomed from his father. He didn't know if his father would throw his arms open and welcome him home. Because the last time that he left his father, he didn't leave in good terms. So he had no idea what his father's response was going to be to him when he went home. He just decided, I've got to go back home. I've got to get back to where my father is. Listen, and I don't even care if he calls me his son. If he just gives to me what he gives to the hired servants, then I'll be okay. That's what his thinking was. Why? Because he didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel worthy in, in anything from his father. The last time they talked, he basically looked at his father and said, Father, I wish you were dead. I, I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm out of here. So he didn't know what his father's response was going to be. And this is the point that I really want to drive home to you this morning that I want you take and place it here. This is what it says. It's not about what you feel. It's about what the Father says. You may be sitting here this morning, you may not feel worthy of God's love or God's peace or God's joy, but can I tell you this morning, it's yours, whether you, whether you feel worthy or not. Because it's what the Father says. See, here he is, this young boy. He's making his way back home. In verse 20, it says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and the Bible says that he kissed him. Moms and dads, put yourself in that position for a moment. That every single day you go outside and stand on, stand on the porch hoping that today would be the day that your lost son or your lost daughter comes home. And you don't see anything. You go back into the house and you start doing your daily routines and the day ends and you go back out the next day and you do the same thing. And you do it over and over and over again. 
But you don't give up. You still believe that they're going to come home. So he goes outside and he sees his son in the distance. And he runs and he throws his arms around him and he begins to love on him. And the son looks at his father and says, Son, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But verse 20, 22 says this, But the father said, Everything is based on what the father says. Everything is based on what, what Jesus said or what God says about you, not what you say about yourself or not even what you feel about yourself. Everything is based on who God says you are. But what the father says, he was feeling unworthy, the boy was, but the father looked at him and said, oh, quick, go get my best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So can you understand what the father was feeling in that moment? He was excited. He was ecstatic. He couldn't. He was so excited that his son that is, was dead is now home. He didn't care what he did with his money. He didn't care what kind of lifestyle he was living. He was just glad he's home. See, can I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that are you home? That's all that matters to God is that you're home. That you made a decision to get up from where you are and to begin to walk back to the Father. You see, here we sometimes, there's somebody in this room today that you're struggling with the same thing over and over and over and over again. And you keep finding yourself back into that pit. Listen to me. you got to change something so that you will not go back to the pit. you got to change something in your life so that you don't go back to the pit. And all I can imagine is in that moment when the, the father is loving on the son, that the son is trying to push the father away. Why? Because, you know, when you don't feel worthy of something, you try to push people away. Don't do that. Don't love on me. Don't kiss me. Don't do that. Because I'm not worthy to even to be called your son. But the father was still loving on him and still excited that he's home. The boy felt unworthy, but the father says, you're worthy. You're worthy. And I'm not going to call you my servant. I'm still calling you my son because that's who you are. His father looks at him and says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It ma what matters is that you're at home. The father placed a robe around him, put a ring on his finger, and placed shoes on his feet as a sign of honor and to show the son just how much he loved him. So this morning, I want you to get the, the, the visualization of of Jesus doing the same thing to you this morning. That when you don't feel worthy, what does he do? He throws his best robe around you. He throws his arm around you. He pulls you in a little closer. He just begins to love on you. For some of you, he gives you one of these on your hand because you need it. But he loves on you. He brings you in. And you're like, God, I don't even, I'm not even worthy. He says, you're worthy. Because it's what the Father says, not what you feel. Where we are his sons and his daughters. We belong to God. No matter how far we stretch away from God, we belong to God. And if we will get us, if we will get back, if we get to the point where we're tired of living this way, we will humble ourselves and go back to the Father, the Father is still waiting for us. 
want you to stand with me this morning if you would. If you would, just close your eyes just for a moment. You see 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18, this is what it says. He says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Can I tell you this morning? That's a promise. That's a promise from God. That he looks at you and he says, you're my son and you're my daughter. And it doesn't matter even when you feel unworthy. It doesn't matter when you feel like you don't deserve it. You don't deserve God's love. And the devil tells you those that you don't deserve God's love and you don't deserve God's grace or God's mercy. Can I tell you, you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. And God says... You're mine. You're mine. So this morning, I don't know who God's speaking to, but I really feel like God's speaking to someone. Well, Pastor, that that message really wasn't, it didn't really speak to me. It really wasn't for me. That's okay. Begin to pray for who it was for. turn our situation from give me to make me. Make me who you want me to be, not who I want to be. Father, this morning I, I pause to pray for those that are at home right now not physically with us in this building. Lord, I I pray right now that God, that you would begin to work on their behalf. The God that, that whatever they're feeling right now, remind them it's what the Father says. God, begin to do something new in their life. God, begin to speak something new in their life. God, if they're stuck in a place, if they're stuck in a rut, if if they've got something going on in their life, God, I pray that Jesus right now, in in only a way that you can, you begin to lift them up out of that position. And that they would put their eyes upon you. pray that you would speak to those people. I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.